In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We have some rather dismal readings this morning, don't we? As I was studying this week, of course, my mind was on Hurricane Ian. Now, having spent my teenage years in Florida, there's a rhythm for when a hurricane is starting to bear down, when, when they finally decide it's coming your way, right? The first thing you do is run to the store and try to buy everything off the shelf, starting with toilet paper and water. And as it gets closer, you make fun of the people who are leaving and then board up your windows. And once you're done, you go and you help your neighbors. And then you sit and you wait. It's harder when you're this far away watching it on the news because there's nothing to do. You just keep clicking. If you're like me this week, you kept clicking on the internet browser to see how, how, how much closer it was to the state of Florida and praying a lot, knowing that there's nothing you can do. And then it hits. And you can watch. It used to not be that way. But that was on my mind as I was trying to, to prepare my sermon this week, right? And then when it, when it hit, all of the devastation. Now, thanks be to God, um, the people here at this church, my family back home, um, all seem to have weathered it relatively okay. But there are others, many others, who did not. How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. How like a widow she has become. She that was great among the nations, she that was a princess among the provinces, has become a vassal. Now, Lamentations has long been attributed to Jeremiah. The book was written after decades of preaching and prophesying, after warning his family, his friends, his neighbors, his country. And now they've been invaded three times. And the last time, the Babylonians destroyed everything. Last week we read that when Jerusalem was under siege, God told Jeremiah to go ahead and buy that family property, to keep it in the family, to take those records, seal them up, keep them safe. Because one day in the future there will become a day when land will be bought and sold again by God's people. But after he does that, Jeremiah watches as the city falls. And as he's looking at the ruins, as he experiences everything that happens in those days, all Jeremiah can do is to cry out. The great city is now empty. Like a widow, she's been left alone. In those days, there were few protections for widows. They were largely at the mercy of any men in their family. Jeremiah says that Jerusalem was once a ruler, someone to be respected, someone people came and paid homage in. And now she has to serve. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Jeremiah makes Jerusalem somewhat of a, an alive person here. She's mourning because no one's coming and going on her roads. And all the people that are left can do is to cry out. There's no aid coming. The Red Cross won't be there. They're just stuck. All anyone can do is bitterly know that things will not be getting better anytime soon. From daughter Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. When push came to shove, Zedekiah, the king, 
the one who wouldn't listen to God and decided to rebel against the Babylonians. He and his men, when they find themselves besieged by the Babylonians, when they find there's no way out, they sneak out in the middle of the night and run away. But the Babylonians catch up with them. And when they're about to be caught, the king's bodyguard runs away. The king is captured. And 2 Kings 25 tells us that he was carried to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And they gave judgment to him. They killed his sons before his eyes and put out his eyes and bound him in fetters and carried him back to Babylon. And his lieutenants and bodyguards that run away are still alive, but there's no place they can go to run and hide. They just have to keep running away farther and farther into the desert, into the wilderness. By the waters of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered you, O Zion. This is a psalm that was written by the exiles in Babylon after the fact. We don't know which of the three deportations they are writing from, but we find them sitting on the banks of the Tigris and Euphrates, and all they can do is cry out in distress. They cry out for their lost loved ones, the ones they're separated from. There's no jumping on an airplane if you're separated from the Babylonian kingdom. They cry for the destroyed homes, for the temple, for everything. They cry out to God for what they long for, the world before the exile. How shall we sing the Lord's song upon an alien soil? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. And here we read that the conquerors, the victors, all they want to do is amuse themselves. They're having a party. They've won. So sing us one of your songs. Come on, we want to hear your songs. And they're heartbroken, all of them. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel, and others, they'll find their songs again, even sitting in Babylon. They continue to worship through their grief. But in their grief, some of God's people can't. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy the one who pays you back for what you've done to us. They don't seek forgiveness and love. They want to see the same things happen to their enemies, that they saw happen to their families and friends. Notice this is not a prayer directed at God. This is a cry out to the Babylonians. They just want vengeance. We read in our gospel this morning, the apostles say to the Lord, increase our faith. Centuries later, we find Jesus and the disciples discussing faith. Now Jesus is still in the midst of that last trip, having that final discussion before the resurrection. Last week, we talked of Lazarus and the rich man, where the last line was Father Abraham saying to the rich man, they do not listen to Moses and the prophets. They'll not even be convinced if someone rises from the dead. And then Jesus told them not to be someone who caused someone else to stumble, because that will lead to judgment. But do we have to forgive those who repent? And the response to being told to forgive those that have wronged them the response of the apostles is to ask for their faith to be increased. Jesus said that the faith they need does not have to be huge, even like a little mustard seed. Everybody here know how big a mustard seed is? It's tiny. They just need that much faith. And Jesus this morning seems to be questioning if there's even that much found amongst them. And he says, when you've done all that you were ordered to do, say we're worthless slaves. We've done only what we ought to have done. 
after talking and wondering about the level of faith in the disciples, he gives an uncomfortable story about slaves. I think, again, he's trying to tell the apostles they're missing the point. Discipleships is sometimes about faithfully following, not for the reward or not so that we think God owes us something, but out of love for God and love for others. Sometimes perseverance is the sign of faith that we can actually live into. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. We go from the apostles asking for more faith and Jesus wondering just how much they even had to a beautiful testimony of faith. Timothy here is being reminded of his heritage. That is, he learned his faith at the knees of his grandmother and his mother. And that faith continues in them. As a young man, we read in Acts that Timothy began to travel with Paul. Like Paul, he was the son of a Greek father and Eunice, who was Jewish. And after traveling with Paul for some time, Paul and his group go and preach in Thessalonica. And after seeing people join the church, what happens? A riot breaks out because they want Paul to go away and quit preaching. And a few weeks later, after leaving, Paul and his company are preaching in Berea. And they find out, and a group from Thessalonica comes down there and causes enough trouble that Paul's leaving again. But he left Silas, young Timothy, in Berea to build up the church. And then they send Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on the church and minister to them there to build up the believers. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. The young man who was sent to minister in cities that had rioted to get Paul to leave, that tried to destroy the church, is now being reminded God has not given us a spirit of fear or a spirit of cowardice. And notice it's not just power. If it was just power, we'd be tempted to be like the psalmist this morning, right? Let's wreak glorious vengeance on our enemies. No, it's power and it's love and it's self-discipline. The power that God gives us is to be tempered by the love that's intrinsic to who he is. And by us having the self-discipline to live into that love. Paul had to learn this lesson. We read several times in Acts where Paul wanted to run head first into the crowds that were rioting because of him. And the church had to tell him no. Paul had to learn self-discipline. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, the grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And God's love is shown in the simple act that he saved us and he called to us, not according to our own righteousness, not by who we are, what nation or tribe or tongue we were born into, but by his grace. God's purposes are not like ours. He reaches out to everyone, even to people society doesn't value. But thankfully, God does not give us what we deserve. He sent Jesus to bring those who are far off and those who are near into his kingdom. And for this reason I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust. And I'm sure he's able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching you've heard from me in the faith that, and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here we read something that was different from what was generally believed at the time. And 
even believed today by many people. Who suffers? If you ask someone who suffers, they'll tell you, today, what? Well, those that did wrong. Those that are in sin. Back then it was the belief that it was those who angered the gods. But Jesus kept telling people, listen, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Why did that tower fall on those people? Were they worse sinners than we are? Suffering is a part of our broken world. And it's important to note that God's not called us to be Stoics. We're not Vulcans needing to suppress our emotions and be logical in the face of everything. There are times when we're angry, like the psalmist is. But Paul writes and tells us we're called to be angry and sin not. And there are times where, like Jeremiah, all we can do is watch and weep and grieve. But our trust has to continue in God. And this is being written with imprisonment as the backdrop. Paul's prolonged imprisonment, he tells them this morning, was not because he was doing wrong, although I'm sure that's what his opponents were saying. I've heard that from preachers before. If only Paul would have had more faith, he wouldn't have ever been sick and he wouldn't have been in prison. But Paul's not in prison for his lack of faith, but because of its strength. He's suffering because he knows in whom he's put his trust. He has confidence that if he stays faithful, he'll receive his reward. Appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Our grief is tempered by the knowledge that our separation in this life is temporary. And that one day, too, we will experience and meet our Lord and Savior in person. Amen.